Hey everybody, welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Ed Slover and I'm fiercely passionate about focusing on the quest of taking a good day and doing great things. The interesting thing about today's episode is I've been putting it off for a couple of months. The question is obvious. Does that mean I've been procrastinating? Well, actually, no. We all put things off sometimes, and my delay for publishing this content relates to my interest in other topics. I've been scheduling interviews with guests, and quite frankly, I've simply forgotten that I had this on my list to talk about. So putting things off once in a while doesn't necessarily mean that someone is a procrastinator. The definition of procrastination, according to Psychology Today, is the chronic avoidance of difficult tasks or when people actively look for distractions. And this tends to reflect a person's struggle with self-control. By avoiding tasks, procrastinators seek to regain control or at least the appearance of regaining control because they believe they won't enjoy doing those tasks. They don't want to engage in things that will make themselves unhappy and or they fear they won't perform the tasks well. So procrastination is a way for people to feel better about themselves in addition to reducing the short-term stress or the perceived or anticipated stress they imagine about completing the tasks. Further, some procrastinators are often perfectionists. And this is an interesting psychology because in many ways for perfectionists, it's more acceptable to never tackle a task where there's risk of not doing the task well. Still others buy into the notion that they perform well under pressure, which is why people put things off until the last minute. Interestingly, research shows that this isn't the case. In fact, it's actually the opposite. Procrastinators' performance when they put things off until the 11th hour is actually worse. And whenever you think about how does this show up in our lives, think about students preparing for a midterm or final exam, and they decide to push it off and push it off and push it off, and they are cramming at the last minute, invariably, Research shows that they perform less well than if the information is studied over a period of time. What really is fascinating about this psychology is that whenever we put things off until the last minute and make it a habit of putting things off to the last minute, it isn't that we perform better. It's that people experience a sense of euphoria for having overcome the odds Uh, for getting the task done at the last minute. So it's almost this badge of honor to have gotten this done right at the deadline rather than choosing to perform better over a period of time. So there are a couple of questions to look at. The the first is, and this is kind of a two-parter, is like what causes people to procrastinate and what are the psychological roots of procrastination? The second question is, does procrastinating serve any meaningful purpose in our lives? So let's take a look at each of these questions separately and then discuss ways we can beat or overcome uh, procrastination. So the first one, what are the causes 
of procrastination and what are the psychological roots? Well, psychologists have identified some basic drivers of procrastination, including low self-esteem, anxiety, and or a lack of structure. So with regard to people with low self-confidence, it's often believed that they won't perform well at a given task. So avoiding the task is less painful than pushing through and completing the task. This really speaks to the idea of the pleasure pain principle, where we as human beings actively seek out those things that bring us pleasure, and we actively seek to avoid those things that cause pain. And if you were asked which motivation is stronger, it's all, almost always, it's almost always pain avoidance that's stronger than pursuing things that are pleasurable. So with regard to procrastination, this makes sense. So with people with low self-confidence, they avoid particular tasks because it's less painful than pushing through the task itself. And not only can this lead to you know, less stress and anxiety in the moment, it actually makes things worse over time. When you think about things getting added to our respective to-do list. It actually exacerbates the anxiety whenever we put things off because ultimately we have to get to those things even though in the short term we're actively avoiding the completion of the task. For others, some lack structure. Some lack the ability to properly prioritize what they need to get done and still others get satisfaction from checking things off the list, which on the surface seems like there's structure to that. But if you're one of these people that likes checking boxes off of lists, there's nothing inherently wrong with that because these are, um, it, it's, it's really sort of satisfying. It's like popping bubble wrap. I mean, there's something satisfying about doing that. Unfortunately, we often check off those things that are quick hitting, that are less important, they're tasks that are less involved, and they're probably tasks that are more enjoyable. And when people feel a sense of accomplishment uh, for doing this thing, they have to take a step back and like, what have I really accomplished? Have I gotten to the critical few things that I needed to get to? Or is my sense of accomplishment simply because I was checking a whole bunch of things off the list? It really gets into quantity rather than quality. It's a volume play rather than really getting into those things that are uh, not only important but potentially urgent. So that really answers the first question about why people procrastinate and some of the psychological roots. So now let's look at the second question. Does procrastination serve any meaningful purpose? This is somewhat fascinating. Whenever you look at it, the short answer is yes, which might seem counterintuitive, but the short answer of whether or not procrastination serves a meaningful purpose is actually yes, because it protects people from failure, from self-condemnation, and or judgment from others. Here's what you have to know though, is that this is all short term. We might avoid pain, avoid the, the pain associated with unpleasant work. We might avoid the pain of potential failure, of self-condemnation, of judgment from others in the short term. So it does, yes, 
provide some meaningful purpose, but over the long run, psychologists tell us that it's a self-defeating pattern of behavior. And going back, back, let me back up just a second and say, in the short term, we're able to devote energy to other tasks, so it helps people avoid feeling unproductive. Over the long term, however, we actually arrive at feelings of unproduction of unproductiveness the longer we ultimately push those things out into the future. So that really answers the second question about whether or not procrastination serves any meaningful purpose. It should be noted that for most people, procrastination that where we put off things you know, into the future, believe that we'll actually get those things done at a later time. And this type of prediction is known in psychology as affective forecasting, which is our prediction about how we feel about doing something in the future. So for example, a procrastinator might feel bad about having not exercised today, but they feel better about themselves when predicting they'll exercise tomorrow. In effect, they avoid feeling the negative emotion in the moment because they're forecasting that they're actually going to experience a positive emotion in the future. And we create this cycle or pattern of behavior that we're likely to repeat. And one of the things that you have to understand about uh, our ability to accurately make predictions is that it's, nothing, it's, no, it's no better than a coin flip. I mean, whenever we get into non-habituated behavior, and habituated behavior, you wake up at the same time every day, you eat the same things every day, you go to the gym at the same time every day, you go to work. I mean, we can accurately predict that. But when it comes to non-habituated behavior, those things that are breaks in our pattern, our ability to predict what we'll do in the future is no better than flipping a coin. And the same holds true whenever we try to predict the behavior of other people that engage in non-habituated behavior, it's no better than a 50-50 chance. So the consequence or potential consequences of procrastinating can be surprisingly significant. So we've already established that we can cr create some type of emotional protection for ourselves in the short term. But over the long term, once we get beyond the present moment, it can ha have steep physical, emotional, and practical costs. Habitual procrastination can, re can lead to reduced well-being in the forms of insomnia, gastrointestinal distress, immune system dysfunction. It can also lead to increased risk of high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. I mean, these are serious things. And in addition to the physical cost, procrastination can lead to uh, lower self-esteem over time. It can cause us to um, blame ourselves for not getting to certain things. We, we actually might even disengage from wellness advice, which takes an emotional toll. And practically speaking, and if the physical and emotional costs weren't, weren't significant enough, Procrastination can also jeopardize personal and professional relationships, especially when others are counting on us to follow through on our commitments. So there are physical, emotional, and practical costs associated with pushing things out into the future. 
And while procrastination can take many forms, there are three common types. The first are delayers. The second are perfectionists. We spoke about that earlier. The third are distractibles. So the first, delayers, are those people that uh, put things off because they're, quote, too busy or too tired. Um, they need to take a break. They need to just relax. I mean, these people wait until every Monday to start their new exercise program, which is a fascinating psychology to begin with. It's like, you know, why is Monday always day one? And of course, if you go to any gym you know, in the United States, Monday is National Chess Day, but I digress. Ironically, delayers feel a sense of guilt and even self-loathing for their decision to put things off into the future. There needs to be a recognition, however, that it is a decision to put things off in the future and a different decision can be made. So that's delayers. The second are perfectionists. These are those people that put things off because of a heightened you know, anxiety level about how they think they're going to perform at a, per, a particular task, what others are going to you know, think about them, and whether or not they're going to be able to live up to some uh, arbitrary or immeasurable standard. And if you think about people that are perfectionists and they have the cliche mother-in-law who constantly criticizes them about their house not being clean enough or their food not being tasty enough, I mean, that creates an incredibly stressful environment. So all of a sudden, a perfectionist you know, daughter-in-law or son-in-law might wait until the last minute and then come up with some type of excuse to explain how they're unable to live up to the mother-in-law standard. I mean, it's highly dysfunctional if you think about it. Uh, so that's perfectionism. The, the third are distractibles. And with regard to distractibles, uh, I mentioned this earlier, students tend to provide a, a really good example of this, especially in preparation for a large assignment or an exam, where they would prefer to put things off, maybe playing video games or hanging out with friends uh, versus actually studying for the exam because that distraction is more uh, fun, it's, it's more positive, it's less, certainly less stressful. Uh, what's ironic about that is the majority of the students end up dissatisfied with their exam result. And research, as I mentioned, is clear that cramming for an exam versus chunking the information up over time leads to worse performance. So for those of you who are listening that are, are students out there, um, if you're not going to take your own advice, please pass that on to your, your fellow student counterparts. So we frame this up around what procrastination is, the psychological roots of it, whether or not it serves a meaningful purpose, uh, the physical, emotional, and practical costs associated with it, as well as common types. Now, let's take a look at how we can maybe beat and or overcome procrastination. Now, none of this is sexy information. All of this, though, is really practical. All of it is really doable, provided that you make the decision to do it. So the first one is break your work into little steps or chunks. Since procrastination often occurs because people feel overwhelmed or they're anticipating future stress, uh, focusing on one part of a task at a time actually becomes more helpful. It becomes less painful. 
For example, uh, as a business consultant, that uh, I often write business plans for new business startups, and my business plans are quite comprehensive. They're no fewer than 50 pages total. They have eight major sections and at last count, like 50 subsections. And looking at this in its totality, I mean, it's incredibly detailed. Looking at this in, in its totality is overwhelming and stressful. But breaking it up into chunks and defined periods of time makes it way more manageable and it allows me to ease the burden um, associated with that work. So step one, break things up into little steps or chunks. Step two, change your environment. And this is especially relevant in a post-COVID world where more and more people work from home. And because the environment is so familiar, it's so comfortable and so full of potential distractions, working at a local coffee shop might help. Uh, if public places that are busy like that uh, really don't lessen the distraction, that's okay. Find a quiet place, maybe at a library or a park, but change the environment and move beyond those things that are uh, easy and convenient distractions. So number three, break down your goals into specific timelines with deadlines. If you're prone to procrastinate and you get a rush from completing tasks at the minute, consider imposing strict, uncompromising deadlines. And you might even request that a friend or a coworker serve as a, quote, accountability partner. When I travel back home, my sister is very gracious and she connects with me and uh, we schedule workouts together. Well, I work out very early in the morning and it turns out that I am an accountability partner of sorts for her because she wouldn't show up to the gym any other or that early for anybody else. And it's easier for her. She does a really good job with her fitness, but it's easier for her to find other things to do that are more enjoyable than actually making it to the gym whenever I'm not around. So what she's, what, what she's done is she sets specific timelines and deadlines for her exercise, and she's uncompromising about that. Number four, reduce the number of decisions you have to make each day. This is really interesting because every decision has an energy consequence. The late Steve Jobs, if you ever noticed, the late Steve Jobs always wore the same or similar outfit every day. And you might ask, well, why, why would he do that? Is he just boring? Was it because he was a middle-aged man and didn't have any fashion sense? I mean, all of that could have been true too. But one of the things that Jobs understood is that every decision has an energy consequence and he didn't want to be staring at the clothes in his closet every single morning wondering what he was going to wear. So he made his outfit simple so he knew exactly what he was going to wear every day and there was no energy cost associated with that decision and he could focus on uh, bigger and better things. So knowing that, consider planning ahead. And if you, I mean, if you have to set your clothes out the night before, do that. If you know that tomorrow is an exercise day, make sure that that is scheduled and, and make it a top priority. I mean, these are things that you, you want to look at a day or two before to know what your schedule is and know those things that 
you're not going to compromise on. The fifth one I'll talk about is stop overcomplicating things. As a part of affective forecasting, which again speaks to our predictions about how we'll feel in the future, we often feel that things are going to be way more involved than they are. We often feel that things are going to take more time than they actually do to complete and or that we're going to... Um, we're going to be more miserable than we actually actually are in performing that. What's really interesting is our predictions about the future, especially when it comes to uh, how much time it'll take, how involved things are, uh, are is way overestimated. I mean, we we tend to overestimate the the time it takes or the misery we're going to experience with the bad or the negative. And another way of saying that is fear and anxiety often. Uh, they, or at least the anticipation of fear and anxiety, it's often worse than what reality brings about. So in many ways, our fear and anxiety are self-imposed, which contributes to our delay tactics, ultimately our procrastination. So as we wrap up another edition of the Quest for Life podcast, remember, from a psychological standpoint, procrastination is a form of emotional self-regulation, emotional self-control. And people procrastinate as a way to ease real or perceived discomfort about our immediate or longer-term future. And do note that procrastinating should not be confused with laziness. In fact, most people procrastinate on things because they're important and they know they need to get them done and they generally will get them done. There's just the dread and the drudgery and the lack of perceived purpose ahead of getting around to doing those things. And in order to make meaningful change in this area, which is quite challenging when we aren't motivated uh, to do something, is to take action. So rather than making sure we're mentally prepared, making sure our thoughts or feelings are, are lined up, everything is perfectly um, set up for us, rather than doing that, just go. Just go. Do something. Not only will you be able to cross the thing you were avoiding off your list, which gives you a greater sense of accomplishment for pushing through and advancing past that struggle, you'll actually be ahead of uh, where you would have been otherwise. That's self-evident, but you'll also be closer to whatever goal that you had set for yourself. And doing all of this, I mean, there's no doubt that you'll be better for yourself based on the action that you take. And of course, you'll be better for the people that you let into your world. And as always, it's all food for thought, fellow questers. You can contact the show at thequestforlife.com. That's the quest, the number for life.com. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and writing a review. And also keep telling your friends. Love getting the word out. The show continues to grow. Thank you for joining the conversation.